Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Let me first of all go to another story that's uh, gone all over the papers this morning in the Irish Examiner. But mind you, it started with an email that we got yesterday. Uh, from a young lady who had prior approval for an AIB mortgage uh, prior to the lockdown herself and her husband were approved. €5,000 booking deposit paid on their dream home. Currently in a rented accommodation with five small kids. Husband who works in construction was temporarily let go due to the COVID lockdown and all the construction sites being closed down and then contacted AIB when this happened and was assured that when her husband returned to work all they would need is a letter from his employer stating he was back in full-time employment and receiving the same wages and hours. Sent them a letter but now they're saying they want three clean pay slips. In other words, they can't get it. Um, so, uh, I don't know, maybe you've been affected by this. The banks are kind of making up, well, I suppose they're sticking to their policies. Uh, David Hall, who's the CEO of the Irish Mortgage Holders Association, joins me on the line. Good to talk to you again, Good David. Uh, how are you? Good, thanks. Good, Good, yeah. David, in relation to this particular story, I mean, I understand they have their policies and they're very strict about the guidelines, you know, when you send in your bank statements, mm. you know, if you happen to be spending money in Paddy Powers or you happen to have a pre uh, another loan or something like that, they're, they're kind of always a bit dubious about things because they want to make sure that you're stress tested. But during the COVID-19, surely there's exceptions to that rule. Well, look, I'm not going to defend banks. That's not something I've done for the last 10 years. But I think, you know, if we take a step back we can see now as we exit COVID-19, as much as we're ever going to exit COVID-19, many people, and exactly the conversation you just had in relation to pubs. So if you go back into the Clareburn um, show last night and you look at the staff working in a pub. So if, if the person who applied for mortgage is working in a pub and a banker had a look at the show last night, things are going to change and they're going to change dramatically. Some, unfortunately, will change very dramatically for some people where they will not simply return to employment. So what, the uh, banks are looking and saying his um, career is a high-risk career? No, well, not even a high-risk career. Well, a high-risk of losing his job, yeah, in other words. Exactly, exactly. It's, yeah. a high risk, it's a high risk of not returning to employment. And again, just logically speaking, none of us know in the various aspects of our life that we conduct ourselves in and from a behavioural perspective, will you go to a pub when the next time you'll sit beside the person on a plane? Um, when is the next time, you know, will well, you I, go and get Well, I, I know the Bank of England yesterday said that they believe this will be the worst um, recession in 300 years. It'll be three times worse than any other recession we've had in the last 300 years. In fact, they have described it as a Great Depression, um, uh, yeah, what's going to come I, out of this globally. And that's why you're going to find banks, and not just banks. Um, you know, I had two conversations with um, two banks this morning trying to have an argument with them in relation to the definition of sale agreed and sold. Because a huge amount of discussion is going to take place into contractually what has happened pre-COVID-19. Some people bought houses that now don't actually want to proceed, uh, Nile. Some have sold properties and have deposits paid at a price that's clearly going to drop in value afterwards also when you're well, yeah, what is, by the way has anybody indicated as to let's say for example all this finishes in August for example you know but to some degree anyway with the roadmap what, what effect is that going to have on property prices in Dublin we were seeing obviously and I'm talking about Dublin because they're the highest prices but we've seen property prices rise over the last four or five years they kind of stabilised a little bit in, in and around last year. But what effect do you think it's going to have immediately on the, on house prices? I think uh, KBC issued a report last, ne- last week from their economist, um, Austin Hughes, and they predict 12% reduction. That's a big drop, um, isn't straight it? Straight away. It's a very big drop, but, it, but it's even worse uh, than that now. Because, again, you're back, to, you're back to risk and you're back to stress testing again. Like People have to make decisions. Banks have to make decisions. Do I lend to 
the person working in the pub. We won't know for six months if people are going to be back into full employment. Can Woody's maintain the level of people going in and out of the shop? Will they purchase the same Will they have the same amount of staff? Of course they won't. They won't need the same amount of staff, of course, yeah. So there's big challenges ahead, and I think, you know, everyone has indicated, you know, and our own Irish reports here for the Department of... um, uh, Department of Finance has said they're looking at a prospect of 300,000 people not returning to work. That is a colossal number of people. So are we, are we, are we back to where we were in 2010 and 2011 where people Possibly are going to be worse. back in negative equity uh, not being able to afford to pay their mortgages where Elizabeth Dunn actually put the two-year hold on people being evicted? Is, that, is all that going to start happening again now? Yeah, I think they're highly likely and I think there was another report from uh, Dr. Porrett McKenna from um, NUIG today in relation to uh, you know banks still repossessing home, more homes than vulture funds and all of that's back on the table again like we had a major mortgage crisis after the last recession we're now into a worsening situation um, with you know we've learned quite a lot in the last 10 years we'll give you an example of that one of the most pressing issues now that arises from mortgage and debt perspective after this COVID-19 previously the insolvency legislation allowed you restructure your loan to an insolvency arrangement. The banks were messing so much and being disingenuous so much, the legislation was changed in 2015 to introduce a, uh, a piece of legislation to block the banks vetoing the arrangements. And it was called a section 115A, a technical section. But that section at the moment, if I go into mortgage arrears today and I look to do an insolvency arrangement, despite it being a state-sponsored, state-promoted insolvency arrangement, and my bank says, no, I'm not allowed, as the legislation prevents me from appealing that, because I must have been in arrears pre-January 2015. Right. So, structurally speaking, there's a significant number of changes that need to be made to the system to protect people. But ultimately, unfortunately, and it's not pleasant for people who are on the cusp of buying their dream home, there are protections that are in place to ensure they don't get into the same difficulty many people got into pre-2008 and over-borrowed. And unfortunately, their circumstances are going to radically change as they currently are changing. It's in everyone's best interest to draw breath and yeah, I mean, I mean this, is, this is obviously uh, the, Laura who sent us in this email yesterday and sparked this and now it was in the examiner today not her particular letter but many other couples are facing the same problem like she's saying she's a nurse so her wages haven't been affected but her husband though who went back to work obviously yesterday because he's in construction um, and she said now they want three clean pay, pay slips I mean this is going to be very very difficult for people who've well, already well, put down should, deposits well, and everything yeah you know? but it shouldn't be so just go back there like for that person on back to the construction site this is where the banker especially just stress testing to say well if everything's okay the person is back on the site and back working in construction three um three clean uh payslips isn't actually the end of the world but it's three um, months it's three, three months, months yeah. yeah well you know there are i i think three months is not bad you know there are people who are going to take a lot longer to ask for payslips for a lot longer and uh, i'll because i'm not even sure that in three months time anyone's going to know where they stand in an employment yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and i think construction is going to be badly affected because like the last recession we had, of, co- of course, everything that, that's being currently constructed, and, and I've noticed a great difference here today outside when I was having a smoke outside the door there today, uh, because we're right in the middle of the financial district here, and all the construction is back operating again, uh, which is good to see. But if this recession really kicks in, you can see a lot of that being abandoned, like like the last time. You know, no, and completely, and, and, and it becomes, everything becomes more expensive. So every, you've got to remember, one of the key features from COVID-19, apart from the catastrophic effect it's had on people's lives and on the economy going forward, everything's going to become more expensive just to conduct business. You saw, again, the, the, the pubs, the shops of Perspects up, the number of people in, and businesses have a decision well, to make. Well, they're not going to hit, but David, we have to be realistic. And I watched Sam McConkey last night, and I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I know the man is a very educated man, 
But I don't think he's thinking outside the box at all. I understand his concern for the people who are dying. And, and, you know, and sadly, those people need to be protected. The vulnerable groups need to be protected. But realistically, in, the, in Ireland, for example, uh, as Dan Brown points out, you have more chance of dying in a car crash under the age of 65. In the UK, they said you have more chance of drowning, 400 people drown every year, than you have under the age of 65 dying of COVID-19. We need to get back to the, the economy and the damage that this is going to do to both Ireland, England and the rest of the world and the lives that will be lost through poverty, hardship, despair. I mean, well, probably... It, now, I, I've, spent, I've spent the last six weeks uh, back in my Ammons company in Lifeline Ammons moving COVID-19 patients. I've seen patients and patients have died and families have been devastated. Mm-hmm. If we have a, we have an opportunity now to get this right. All of what you said is one hundred percent correct. But, 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 but David, protect the right people. Again, if we go back again, if we go back again to the way normal will never be normal again. If we go back and just treat this thing with the disrespect that is being, I'm not suggesting you treat no, it with disrespect. It be David. With disrespect. No, but this what is, we should be doing, David, is uh, but David, we, what we should be doing is, and what we should have done from the very very start of this is. We know that 67% of people who have died have died in residential care homes and care homes and elderly people who are living in, in residential care. We know those stats, right? We know that the majority of the rest of the people that died were people who were over the age, the median age, as they say, was 83 or 84 years of age or whatever it was, right? And people who are very vulnerable with vulnerable conditions and one or two more underlying conditions. It was extremely rare and has still been extremely rare that people who are healthy under the age of 65 uh, would die of COVID-19. Now, you know, th- this idea that somehow the human body is not capable of making antibodies or somehow we believe that is, is completely unnecessary or it's complete nonsense talk. We need the economy to move. We need to people to go back to hospital for early diagnosis of cancer, heart disease and A&E to be back again where people are going in where they've fallen or tripped or hit their head or they can't breathe properly. We need people not to be afraid to go forward. We are going to have more deaths in the long term from the damage that we are doing to the world than we are from COVID-19. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. What I'm saying to you is Today, decisions have been made that have led us to today. We're now on a pathway of exiting that is going to be very painful for everyone afterwards. Now that we're at the stage we're at today, it's worthwhile digging in to get out as best we humanly can and prevent ourselves having to do no further lockdown. The worst possible disaster, worse than what's ahead, would be the potential of having to do a further lockdown. Well, that that won't work because I I can see the change. And it's just something as simple as on my Twitter account. I asked four weeks ago, um, do you agree with the government strategy of lockdown? I ask these questions on a regular basis just to get an idea of how people are thinking. And three weeks ago, 70% of people said yes. I asked the same question last night, two and a half thousand votes, which is not a huge sample size, but big enough. And 57% said, no, they don't agree with the government. So you can see a change no, in there's, people. There's going to be a change. And, yeah. and again, as I say, I think, fortunately, I actually think fortunately we're able to have this conversation on the basis that we We couldn't, we, we couldn't have this conversation no. four weeks ago because it was too emotional. Correct, but we avoided, but now that we can have the conversation, we absolutely mistakes were made. We can avoid Italy. We've avoided England. We've avoided America. It's bad enough as it has well, been we have, here. Well, David, put things into perspective. America has less deaths, less deaths per million than we have. They, 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 from, a, from, a, from an economic perspective and from an amount of, of, of people infected. But not the, the just bo- yeah, but not just Absolutely, I understand. But the bottom line is here how many people die and how much impact it has on, on our health service, right? That's the bottom line. That's what we really need to be careful of, not to overrun dead, the, dead, No disrespect, dead people don't have an impact on health service. So no, I'm talking about people who end up in A and E or people yes, in ICU. In, in yes. ICUs and treatment, treatment throughout the entire system. But um, we, we, we haven't, but we haven't had a situation where ICU has been jammed. Your conversation, thankfully. your conversation now proves categorically why banks are being cautious. 
because it, it effectively says, we don't know is this over yet. And you saw, you quoted Jim Breslin earlier on yourself, the Secretary General of the Department of um, Health, Dr. Tony Holohan, is also quoted today as having said, this may not be gone. This may never go. So in those circumstances, everybody from an employment perspective, from an education perspective, and from a banking perspective, are all going to ensure they protect themselves financially and with risk. And therefore, they're not going to but they're also, allow... But they're also forgetting that we are human beings. I know this is not your territory, Davis, and I'm glad we're in this conversation anyway. But they're forgetting that we're human beings. And I watched this morning uh, Tony Hulan and uh, the head of the HSE walk into the committee this morning in, uh, in their government buildings. They weren't two metres apart. They were beside each other. Now, what I'm saying to you is, they were, well, they were very close to each other in the video I saw, right? They weren't, didn't seem to be two metres apart. So what I'm saying is, we are human beings. When we talked about the pubs, <clears> and I mentioned earlier on about the pubs and, you know, the shops and everything else. I would say, I would say, uh, Paul Reid and Tony Hogan Paul Reed, yeah, and sorry. Simon Harris, I would say, have seen more of each other than the families. Probably, they could effectively, they could effectively be, known. be there. <laughs> they could be adopted family members at this stage and, and might need to stay the two metres apart. But look, I, I, I fully accept and agree what you're saying. I think we've been fortunate we haven't had a massive uh, impact from a health perspective in our health service. Don't forget, we only have 277 ICU beds. Steps have to be taken to prevent our system getting overrun because we wouldn't have been able to but cope only, with that. I think there's only 30 people or something in ICU at the moment. We're down to like 30% or 20% capacity. And if you look, uh, there was an article in the Irish Examiner, for example, and I'm not comparing, by the way, the flu with the COVID-19, in case you think I am, but there was an article back in December which said that our ICU beds were completely taken up with people with respiratory problems, pneumonia, etc. from the flu. So we, we're used to dealing with capacity. And what I find really disgusting is our government all of a sudden seemed to care about doctors and nurses and the HSE and our heroes, as we call them, but they didn't give a shit about them two years ago. They didn't care no, about them. And they didn't care, they didn't care about the impact it was that we were putting on them two years ago when they were under so much pressure and people were on trolleys everywhere. They didn't and care. And if you, go, if, you go back even, if you go back in the last 12 months, you'll actually find that the catering staff, the chef staff in the hospitals, the army, the army were another group. Like, again, one of our major, major, when you look back, there's so much look backing will happen in relation to this. But when you look back and see the amount of neglect that was uh, in this area, as you just mentioned, but also in relation to the army, like, we should have had an army. The reason you have an army is to be able to stand up and step up with the resources and the equipment that's required in these circumstances. Now, they weren't required to their full capacity. Thankfully, they weren't required to full capacity. But that was just... Uh, good planning and good luck rather than being good, well-prepared. So there will be a lot of areas, the guards, mm-hmm. the nurses, doctors, paramedics, a whole host of people were abused for the last 10 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. And, and as I said to you, in that article in The Examiner, the Irish Nurses Association were crying out to the government uh, for more money, respiratory uh, devices, uh, extra ICU beds, and they couldn't get them. And we had thousands of people, uh, you know, in a bad flu season, as we had in 2018 as well, uh, you know, going into ICU, putting a huge amount of pressure on our health service, and the government did nothing about it. But all of a sudden, here we are at 30% capacity, the lowest capacity we've had in years, and, and you know, they're, and they're panicking over it. So there, was I, great, I, there was a great video last night, uh, which a doctor in the States uh, videoed in frustration in the corridor of one of the hospitals um, to President Trump, and uh, has a bear, has bearings here where we're looking at wasting money where he said, you know, there's no point in sending a fighter jet at 450 grand over my hospital to thank me. Yeah. Buy PPE gear, protect me and my colleagues and my patients, spend money on that and stop wasting money. Well, we, we clearly had the money all along, but we just didn't know how to spend it. Now, just then finally in relation, going back to the mortgages, David, so what do couples do, you know, if their dream home is kind of at risk, is there anything they can do at all? No, unfortunately, the rules are there to protect them. Bizarrely, they might not feel it, but the rules are there to protect them. They're in such unusual circumstances. The central bank has an obligation now 
following the last recession to ensure that they meet the various standards around lending money. And unfortunately, they need to show evidence. And those rules can't be changed because of the times that we're in. Couples can't make some sort of claim and say, listen, I'm normally not unemployed. Uh, You know, I just happen to be on a payment. uh, Nobody, no one can say that everyone's going to still have a job in a few months' time, no matter how secure they are. The worst possible thing to Laura and the other people is, worst possible thing that could happen is their dream home turns into a nightmare. So go with the system, protect yourself, ensure you can have the capacity to make payments. Uh, and as a pain in the backside as it is, it is there and will protect you long term. So do we go back to the cliche my mother used to use, if it's for you, it won't pass you? Correct. <laughs> all right, listen, David Hall, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, I'm sure we'll be talking to you in the future. All right. Um, all right, a lot of people, by the way, very interested in that story because a lot of people in that situation, in other words, if you're buying the dream home at the moment, a one or the other, you happen to be on a COVID payment of some description or a state payment, unfortunately, the banks will not give you that loan. They will not let you draw down that loan until you have three clean pay slips because thems is the rules. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.